are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to speak to our church family tonight and those that watch on this subject when it looks so bleak. When it looks so bleak. And by the way, I think if we're not careful, we think this is the worst day. No one's ever had it like this. Well, then ask my father-in-law and my parents how it was during the Great Depression. Ask them how it was when communism invaded Hollywood. Ask Ronald Reagan when he fought against communism as he was the president of the Actors Guild. Ask uh, that World War II generation when Nazism was trying to invade the world and socialism was trying to invade the United States and succeeding on some fronts. I think we think that it's the hardest day, there's no hope. I refuse to be a pessimist. I believe there still is God. And I believe God can do anything. And I believe God could turn this thing around that our stores that when I was a boy were never opened on a Sunday morning. They were closed. And the gas stations closed in this area when I was a kid. They could happen again. The malls they're building could be closed on Sunday and churches open. I believe that. I don't believe it's the most terrible time in world history. We're not, uh, we're seeing a lot of anarchy, I know that. We're seeing a lot of chaos, I know that. But Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, others, all in it at the same time. I thank God for this great country of ours and I thank God for the freedom to still send out missionaries around the world and broadcast the word of God Yes, for some, it looks so bleak. That's what was happening here in Isaiah and in chapter number one, verse two. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nursed and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Some of you have kids that have broken your hearts as adults. Uh, there's someone that was ahead of you. His name was God, and his name is God. And he gave children life, and he gave them everything. And the Israelites turned against God. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even unto the head. There's no soundness in it but wounds, bruises, putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. 
Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard. That's a good message right there, by the way. As a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. And by the way, I'd like to be that remnant. I'd like to be that remnant that God could still use. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. The Bible says in verse number 12, when you are come to appear before, before you have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. What mean ye to beat my people to pieces and grind the face of the poor, saith the Lord. Oh, what a day they were living in. My Bible says in chapter five, I will sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching the vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He fenced it. He gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, and ye men and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have I done more to my vineyard that I have not done? What a day. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, please, chapter three. Chapter three, verse number 12, as God spoke to Isaiah, God speaks to Jeremiah, verse 12, go proclaim these words toward the north and say, return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever, only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed and scattered my ways to the strangers under every green, uh, a green tree and have not obeyed my voice. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you and I will take you, one of a city, two of a family, and I'll bring you to Zion and I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Turn with me, if you will, to the next book, Lamentations, please. After Jeremiah, he writes us the book of Lamentations. How doth the city sit solitary was full of people? How has she become a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the province, how has she become a tributary? She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are the cheeks among her lovers. She hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become as her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen, findeth no, uh, among the heathen, she findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. Notice what the Bible says, verse six, and from the daughter of Zion, all her beauty is departed. Verse eight, Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Verse nine, her filthiness is in her skirts. She remembereth not her last end. Verse number 10, that the heathen entered into the sanctuary. Verse 11, the people sigh. Verse 12, is it nothing to you? All ye that pass by. Ohio this summer has taken one of their middle schools that have had for 92 years 
the beautiful brass plate with the Ten Commandments engraved. And this summer they have now taken it down and said we don't want anything religious on our school campus. That is just one state and it's happening all over. We know that. The atheists are fighting to have all city hall prayer meetings when you begin a city hall meeting to have it that you cannot any longer pray. I recall the day when I came here up until just a few years ago, every Tuesday night, city of Santa Clara, are you listening, mayor? You and your city council members are foolish. You're acting as if we don't need God. I know we're not a Christian city. I know we were founded in 1777 by the Catholics, but friend, religion and the Bible was here before you were. And they don't wanna offend anybody. And so we no longer open city council with prayer. Shame on you. Nebraska has indicated this Christmas there'll be no candy canes in our state because we don't want anything that resembles Christianity and the root of the candy cane. What a foolish nation we are. Sunday, this has been, of course, the month of June, I guess it was, LGBTQ. And all over the nation, flags are flying. You saw them over here, the rainbow flags. But I want to remind you that God says sodomy is an abomination in the sight of God. It's a stench in his nostril. God, it's, it's a, it is a, a, an attack on God Almighty because God said a man and a woman form a union. And so Sundays, this past Sunday, I've not seen the pictures. I refuse to look at it. But I understand the streets of New York, the streets of Chicago, the streets of San Francisco, the big cities all over America had our, our pray, a pride, pride day. No, I tell you where you ought to get, you gotta get, instead of the parade, you ought to get to the house of God. It looks bleak. But God can still work when it looks so bleak. I think some of God's people are becoming, it's hopeless. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, please. And I want you to see what Nehemiah did when confronted with a situation that was so, so beyond his ability. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, you know the story. He heard the word from Hananiah that the city was burned with fire and the gates were broken down. Nehemiah said, when I heard these things, five things, I sat down, I wept, I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed. You know, I find in the Bible that same formula over and over again. To mourn, to pray, and to fast. And here we have in Nehemiah chapter number chapter number one, verse four, let us read it together. Nehemiah 1, four, ready, begin. And it came to pass. Now, see tonight that there's the answer right there. Mourning, the word to mourn is to have extreme sorrow. 
And Nehemiah came to the point when he heard of the condition of his city, his Jerusalem, like when you and I hear of what's happening in our country. Nike, you know, came out with the July 4th shoe, tennis shoe. A beautiful white tennis shoe with an American flag on the back commemorating America. And the young man that's been so blessed in this America, Colin Kaepernick, who is the spokesman for Nike, said, I refuse to allow you to have that, and they pulled the shoe. Mr. Kaepernick, who used to sit right here, several times sat right there, as a rookie, good kid, raised in a good Christian home, adopted into the family of this terrible America of ours, raised not far from here. I wanna tell you something, son. America's been pretty good to you. People disgrace our flag and will not stand and reverence the flag and respect the flag and respect what boys and, and men and, and girls and people have done on foreign soil and even here as they protect us tonight. I have no regard for a young man like that. I hope if he was saved, he'd get right with God and the Holy Spirit would speak to him. I hope if he's not saved, that the Spirit of God would cause him to realize that he is helping to destroy a nation that needs God. So here's Nehemiah, he mourned, he had great, great sorrow, anguish of heart, and the extreme sorrow invaded his heart. He, he, he mourned and he wept, and he fasted. He said, I'm not gonna eat, I'm gonna pray. That ingredient you find throughout the scripture, tonight I'm gonna call on God's people, would you begin to mourn for this country? Would you begin to have extreme sorrow in your heart for this country? This is a great country. If you don't believe it, then go to the country you think is better. I wanna be in the greatest church in all the world, that's why I'm here. I think this is the greatest. And I thank God for the greatest country in all the world. I'm glad I'm an American. But I want you to know that because I see what's happening in America, my heart is so broken tonight, I mourn extreme sorrow, and I weep, and I know you do as well. And fast, Nehemiah was led to an accident. He said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna just talk about, oh, how she is a great country at one time. We were Israel, a great country. He said, I'm gonna do something about it. For the sake of time, I won't take you there, but I, was in 2 Samuel 13, recently in my Bible reading in verse 37. And Samuel had destroyed his life, Saul had destroyed his life, started off so good as a king, and he ended up so bad. There he is on Mount Gilboa, he's got his boys with him, and he's got Jonathan, his son, with him. David's best friend. And David served Saul. He was good to Saul. But now Saul has turned and he's in battle. On a Mount Galbaugh, his boys all one by one, his own children died. And then he died. As he was dying, he had been wounded. An Amalekite came up to him. Isn't it amazing? 
that in the Bible, they refused to deal with the Amalekites as God said. And Saul thought he could negotiate with the Amalekites. But he looked at that Amalekite and he said, I'm perishing, take my sword, thrust it through me. I don't wanna live, I don't wanna live and be captured by the enemy and I don't wanna die so slow of death. Will you just stick it in me right now? And that Amalekite, he obeyed and he did that. They came back and reported to David. The Bible says when David heard what the Amalekite had done, he wept, he mourned, and he fasted. And then he said, son, you touched God's anointed. Because you touched God's anointed, your life is gonna be taken. I think young people, and I know that refers to a leadership position, but I think young people, you better be very careful how you touch your parents. I think when you begin to attack and disrespect and disobey your parents, you are violating commandment number five, honor thy father and thy mother. You have no right to touch the anointed, your dad, your mother, to criticize, to attack. And here we have tonight, we have David mourning Sorrow, deep sorrow, extreme sorrow. Remember God's people had turned in Exodus chapter 33. They turned their back upon God under Moses' leadership. My Bible says that Moses came to a point in Exodus 33, verse three, four, and five, that Moses said, I'm gonna have to pray. And he wept and he mourned and he fasted. May I remind you that Jacob, his boys came home, said, Dad, here's your son's coat of many colors. It's torn, it's bloodied. And they lied to their dad. And the Bible said he sat down and he wept and he mourned and he fasted. What is it that moves us? Does anything move us to extreme sorrow? Does anything move us to pray? Does anything move us to fast? I'm reading over in Ezra chapter 10. And Ezra came to the point, he saw the condition of his people and he mourned and he wept and he fasted. Have you ever allowed anything to cause you to mourn? I'm talking about sorrow of heart. John Knox was known as the praying man of God. And Queen Mary said this of John Knox. She said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than I fear all the armies of Europe combined. Charles Finney was the man that was a revivalist to this country when this country had come to an impasse in the 1800s of just godliness and wretchedness. And yet he mourned for America and he wept for America and he prayed for America and he fasted. Hudson Taylor, that great missionary, was a man that mourned and wept and fasted and prayed. And tonight it looks so bleak, I know. It looks so bleak, but I wonder what would happen 
if we would just begin to mourn a little bit. Mourn for this country. Has been so blessed of God. Our heritage, our history, all about who we are. No country was ever formed like this country. Have you mourned for America? I'm asking you on this July 3rd, tomorrow, July 4th, would you please mourn with me over our country? Perhaps we could take every state in the union tomorrow and mourn and pray for that state and start with either a geographical geographical area or start with alphabetica, alphabetica uh, 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 Alabama, uh, Alaska, and Arkansas, and just go through the alphabet and praying for these states, all 50 of them. Can I challenge us tonight to begin to have a mourning, which is a just a heartbreak, a extreme sorrow. The Bible calls that word mourn to wail. Have you mourned? Have you wept? Have you fasted? Have you prayed? I'm afraid most pastors can't take that time because it seems like in the moment we live, there's so much babysitting going on. We have to talk to man about straightening out problems. How about talking, a lot of pastors talk to God. And try to walk with God so that a pastor can help the people of God, help your family. Let's Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.